Greetings and welcome to this new abolitionist radio podcast. My name is Scotty Reed. For those that don't know, new abolitionist radio is an award-winning podcast that was created to bring attention to the fact that the United States never abolished slavery. The 13th Amendment carves out an exception for prison slavery. This is a podcast for new abolitionists in today's society which practices 21st century slavery and human trafficking in the United States. Now on this particular podcast, I'm going to review an article that was put out by a woman. Let me pull up her information, Elizabeth Epps. She calls herself, uh, she refers to herself as an abolitionist. And for those who are longtime listeners of New Abolitionist Radio, we started towards the end of 2012, um, but really got jumping in 2013. But we call ourselves slavery abolitionists because there's a lot of people out there who use the term abolitionists and they are not all talking about abolishing the same thing so that we're clear. She is a prison abolitionist, meaning that she wants to get rid of prisons like others. Other abolitionists I've come across are talking about abolishing human trafficking, something that's already illegal, not state-sponsored human trafficking, but something that's already illegal where, where people are kidnapped and forced into either labor or sexual servitude. So there are many different people who use the term abolitionist and they're not all talking about the same thing. New Abolitionist Radio focuses on the exception for slavery through the prisons that's carved out in the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution. So just want to make sure we're clear on that. So Elizabeth Epps is a abolitionist, a prison abolitionist, wants to get abolished prisons in the United States. Um, I think she might also work for um, the ACLU. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I believe that's correct. I think that's listed in the article um, that we're going to review. We're not going to review the whole article. Um, anyway, this is the article that was published. Amber Geiger should not go to prison. Amber Geiger should not go to prison. Again, was published by Miss Epps for the appeal.org. As you could uh, possibly see for those that's watching the video version of this podcast, the former Dallas, po it says the former Dallas police officer should be held accountable for killing Botham Jean, but sending her to prison does not keep us safe. Now, let me also state state this. Ms. Epps, if you're listening or, or any of her friends uh, listen to this podcast, don't take this personal. Don't take this as a personal criticism. I'm just simply doing a professional review as a prison slavery abolitionist. But, you know, Brent Jean, the young 18-year-old uh, young man, brother of Botham Jean, his, his impact statement, uh, what, what do you call it, victim's impact statement or family impact statement, uh, where he uh, was able to speak to the court and tell them what he was feeling. And 
a lot of people have taken exception uh, uh, with what he said coming from his Christian values. And, and also, if you're going to be angry with Brent John for, for quote unquote, forgiving Amber Geiger, well, you might as well be angry at his brother. His older brother who he said, you know, he took after and he learned from and he believed and and I want to put an emphasis on believed because I don't know if they ever had that conversation. But he believed that his brother Bolton would have not wanted her to go to prison, would want her to live her most wonderful life or, or whatever. Um Please recognize that this is a child, basically. Your brain doesn't stop developing until you're like 26 years old. That's the physical development of it. I, I would imagine the emotional development, well, I guess that will vary depending upon the individual. He was very traumatized. His uh, uh, mother had said that he hadn't been speaking for days and she was concerned about him you know since his brother got killed and that's been over a year ago so i shouldn't say days but he just wasn't himself anymore he had been robbed of his big brother and it really impacted him um in a negative way strongly and so i i we need to consider that before you know we want to metaphorically lynch this young man and, and again if you got a problem with what he said for you to express any kind of anger or what have you because of his religious beliefs which again he may not have a full understanding of, of, of scripture and what it talks about in terms of law and justice not law and order but law and justice we're dealing with an 18 year old I don't want to call him a child but you know, if he was my kid, that's what I would call him. You're still a child, young man. You need, you know, you got a long way to go. You got a lot to learn. All right. So anyway, don't take this as a personal attack, Miss Epps, but I felt like you were exploiting that young man's words in his time of grief. He's not thinking right. And he said he didn't want her to go to prison. And so you seize upon that to push prison abolition, not prison slavery abolition, abolition, not slavery abolition as defined in the 13th Amendment. Uh, but you're pushing prison abolition using a, a very traumatized young man's words of saying to this convicted killer that he didn't want her to go to prison. I, I find that to be kind of exploitive, okay? So I just want to get that out the way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, yes, I am criticizing it, but I'm coming from not a negative place or, or from a place of vitriol. I'm, you know, a lot of us, we have blind spots. Most of us, we have blind spots. I have blind spots, and I'm always open to corrective, uh, constructive criticism because I don't know everything, or I may not be seeing it from a more logical perspective. So don't take this as a personal attack. I appreciate the work that you are involved in, not so much the prison abolitionist uh, side of, of it, but the other areas dealing with, with criminal justice uh, work, okay? So I just I, I just felt like it was incorrect to exploit that young man's words in his time of hurt and pain. Even his own mother said that she was shocked 
by his words and nobody knew he was going to do that and it was like he was on autopilot i watched it it's a painful thing to watch I watched it. That young man is in serious pain, and he's not thinking straight. He's being ruled by um, his traumatic experience and experiencing all types of emotion, okay? So I thought it was wrong to use his words as saying she shouldn't go to prison to push prison abolition, but I will move on. Now, we're not going to read the, the article uh, you can look up the article. What's the name of the article again? Amber Geiger should not go to prison. And it was published on theappeal.org. Theappeal.org. As in appealing a sentence or appealing a conviction, which Amber Geiger is attempting. Her lawyers have informed us that she's going to do. But what I am going, going to do is focus on some key points because my long held criticism of the prison abolitionist movement you know we asked prison abolitionists on to new abolitionist radio it's been what year and a half two years ago but we had that debate with them we we invited on different people the reformists um we invited on the prison abolitionists and we just compared that to slavery abolitionism because again slavery was never abolished and so just let me pull up the 13th amendment neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the united states or any place subject to their jurisdiction so what that means is that the united states technically has not abolished slavery if you compare and you contrast that with the UN Declaration of Human Rights, it calls for the abolishment of slavery in all its forms. And the United States back in the 1940s when, when that was published during the Roosevelt administration, but really championed by Eleanor Roosevelt, um, it states that. It states that slavery exists in many different forms or in various forms. In prison slavery is what we're facing today in the United States. We don't need reform of slavery. We need abolishment of slavery in, in this country as it's being in, institutionally practiced. Okay, so we've had those conversations in the past with prison abolitionists so that we can exchange ideals, exchange viewpoints, and come to a proper conclusion. So, this is where I'm coming from. Prison abolition is not sensible. It isn't. It's like, you know, you're you're pushing that. And light was on our program. And, you know, I follow people who, are, who call themselves prison abolitionists and have conversations with them on Twitter. And the last person I spoke to, at least he was able to admit they didn't have any solutions. They didn't have any ideal of what an alternative to incarceration or detention would look like. So at least, at least he was honest in that. He was honest in that. But as the old saying goes, if you take something away from people, you got to replace it with something else. I'm willing to bet you if Amber Geiger was found innocent, that Brant John would not have been up there talking, would not been in a press conference if he spoke at all. He probably would have been further devastated. 
but he would not have been saying she shouldn't go to prison, so I'm fine with the verdict. Okay? Let's just use common sense here. We know that his mother would not have, have gone for that. Okay? And she even uh, expressed some, I guess you would call disappointment with the 10-year sentence, but she seemed to be content that, well, at least we got a conviction. At least she got 10 years, which could be five with good behavior and, and, you know, she gets parole, but being a former cop and being that the parole board is usually made up of former cops or judges, it's likely she, she will be paroled probably on her first time around. So I'm not going to get into the entire article, um, another professional criticism that I have, and this comes from a child um, who used to be a part of a program, a radio program and podcast on Black Talk Radio Network called The Context of White Supremacy, where you had this, she was 11 years old or so at the time, and she was talking uh, to this professor and asked him a question, and he just gave a rambling answer. And she was like, you just gave me a, bu a bunch of buckets of words. You gave me a buckets of words. And that's how I read this article. I have taken professional writing courses um, and I've also on my own read books about writing and how to communicate in writing when you're writing articles and whatnot. And buckets of words, I'm telling you, man, a lot of people are not going to read it. And then there was a lot of redundancy there. And there was an assumption that most of the people that was going to read the article had no concept of pre-1865 slavery and racism and, and, and you know, everything that you went into the history about uh, concerning uh, the enslavement of Africans and black people and mistreatment of black people in this country. I mean, you, you were very redundant in expressing that and you did not, you were, I'll put it this way, you were light on offering what an alternative system to detention for a murderer would look like you did not present anything logical that could be even considered holding Amber Geiger accountable, okay? So I do agree we need to get rid of these prisons that put people in cages, but what we do need is detention facilities that have dormitories and classrooms so that people can be educated, um, perhaps even you know, um, had a mental health needs addressed, their um, addictions addressed, whatever led them to be there, which a lot of these people shouldn't even be there. I think that detention should be reserved for people who cause harm to other people, a direct harm to someone, like killing someone, bringing into somebody, going into someone's apartment um, uh, uninvited and shooting them dead. Okay, there, there has to be some kind of consequences, but that consequence should not be in the form of solitary confinement, which is torture, and it shouldn't be a, a cage. It should more resemble a college campus or a dormitory or, or even like when I was in the army uh, where, where we had our training schools and what have you. We lived there and we had buildings that we went to to go get educated on whatever our skill uh, was that we were being trained on. So I agree, we, we don't need prisons, but we need something because the public is not going to accept allowing Amber Geiger
to run free on, on the streets. Now, let me just uh, pull up a clip, an excerpt from this article. She says, Miss Epps says, but if we create systems that deprioritize violence and punishment and demand accountability from Geiger instead of just retribution, then we will have no cage to which to send Mason. Now, I, I agree with getting rid of the death penalty. That's state-sponsored violence. The death penalty has not deterred any murders. It hasn't deterred any serious crimes. So I do agree we need to get rid of the death penalty. I, I believe that's the violence that you're talking about. You can call it punishment. You can call it rehabilitation. Perhaps that's a better word, you know. Um, but I don't want to get into, you know, mixing words or, or what have you. But accountability, accountability, what does that look like? Okay, what do what does that look like? In highlighting victims like, I think her name was Crystal Mason, the woman who voted, who had that felony status, was prohibited from voting, but didn't know and voted. I believe it was in Texas anyway. And then she ended up getting five years in prison. Highlighting victims like that, just like you say, um, those who want to keep prisons around, or highlighting people like Amber Geiger. Well, you can't highlight people like the Central Park Five who were innocent. And you can't highlight people like Miss Mason, who that should have never been a criminal penalty um, because she should have never lost her voting rights in the first place. I agree with Bernie Sanders as part of his platform that even prisoners who are U.S. citizens should be allowed to vote. So what, what does accountability look like for a convicted murderer? like Amber Geiger, who is also a racist, according to her own words in her text message exchange with her lover and fellow or former partner, as well as other people who made posts, other Dallas police officers who made posts, um, violent posts and racist posts. So Amber Geiger's a racist. Amber Geiger, so how do you hold a racist murderer accountable so let's go ahead and take a look at how she holds them accountable or what accountability looks like to her geiger being in a cage and i'm sorry for those that's watching the video podcast that is cut off a little bit um i'll make sure i get that straight next time but i'll read it geiger to a cage does not keep us any safer than we could be with her outside a cage again i'm against cages we need dormitories, classrooms, treatment, uh, clinics, medical clinics, incapacitating her, preventing her from being able to harm again. That we must do. But, <coughs> excuse me, but prison is not necessary to achieve this safety goal. Now, here, here we get to the alternative accountability that Ms. Epps is offering. Permanently barring Geiger from access to firearms and excluding her forever from law enforcement keeps us as safe from her as we can get, okay? Now, out of that very long article that I spent, I, I want, cause I don't have that kind of patience, man, to be reading a whole bunch of words, just, 
you know, get get to the point. Get to the point that you're trying to make. But I understand people want to highlight other stuff and they want to set people up to make them more pliable to what they're going to suggest. But I would suggest that people uh, get to the point using uh, less words as possible, only as many as it takes to get across um, their point. Okay, so that's the only thing that I have seen a prison abolitionist offer as some kind of alternative accountability to a person losing their freedom after killing someone, okay, harming someone, whether we're talking about rape or, or what, what have you. Listen, felons, people who have been labeled with that felony status, not only lose their right to vote, but they, they lose their right to own firearms in this country, which I don't feel like owning firearms would be should be a right. I think it should be more of a license privilege Okay, but I digress from that. Um, but we know that people with that felony status who are, are then barred from employment, they face a lot of employment discrimination. They face housing discrimination. Again, they are disenfranchised politically and, and lose a lot of their con They're relegated to second-class citizenship status. And I only call them citizens because they still are subjected to taxes. Okay, so we already know they lose their rights. So those who are unable to find employment, find housing, are left to do what? Reoffend, to go back out there and engage in crime. That crime may be a violent crime, using a firearm, robbing somebody, robbing, uh, doing a home invasion of someone. Someone could could lose their life. Okay, they they. There's no shortage of guns in the United States. There are more guns than there are people in the United States. And anybody who has the money or the currency can go buy a gun on the street. Okay? So we, we know the issues with, with gun control. Look, you got Chicago got some of the strictest gun control legislation in the nation. But Chicago is ground zero for gun violence, it seems. And they're not going to license dealers and, and buying weapons and giving their personal information, showing identification and what have you. They're not doing they're all they're buying it off the streets. So that's not whole, that's not gonna prevent a racist murderer from obtaining a weapon. Now barring her from law enforcement. Obviously, they should never be able to work in law enforcement again. And But we know that's an issue uh, even with those who are found not guilty or not even indicted at all. But the city ends up, and the taxpayer, I should say, ends up paying a settlement out to the victim's family members because it was an unjust shooting, absent the criminal penalties, Okay. And those people are, uh, they may get fired from the department, but they can just go to another county. They can go to another state and entertain. So that, that's another entirely separate issue. But you're not dealing with, that's not holding her accountable. That's not accountability whatsoever. Okay? It's not going to stop a racist murderer from 
reoffending and acting out on their racism. So you're not dealing in this piece with the underlying issue, which is racism, okay? Which is the promotion of white supremacy. Not to mention the the perks and benefits that society has propagandized the public when it comes to these modern day slave catchers like Amber Geiger. Okay, so if we don't have logical solutions, then we're just talking. If we want to push prison abolition, well, what do you replace that with? And then you are saying that accountability for Amber Geiger would be her back on the street, but with a prohibition to purchase legal firearms and never work in law enforcement again. I don't think most logically thinking people would agree that that's accountability. What she would need to do is go to, let's call it a re-education center. I know it has a bad connotation because y'all, you know, people like to pick on China and say they communists and they sending them to re-education camps or, or what have you, but let's call them education camps. Deal with these people's individual issues. Give them psychological help. The underlying issue that got Botham Jean killed by a racist white cop is her racism. That's the underlying issue. Now, also, it talks about, I want to bring something up about uh, rendering her incapable. You know, uh, uh, what does it say? Let me pull the article back up. Incapacitating her. You know, they use that language when they're talking about rapists and pedophiles. What do they, how do they incapacitate them so they don't uh, re-commit? a rape or on a child or anyone. What do they do? Some people propose chemical castration, which renders them sexually inoperable. How do you incapacitate a racist that doesn't value black life? That's the underlying issue here. So I just wanted to do this new abolitionist podcast to weigh in on this issue because I'm still not seeing any viable or logical solutions from the prison abolitionist community, okay? We will have to change society. We will have to re-educate society. We will have to change the violent culture in the United States. That means getting rid of all the violent and vile music. It could no longer be played on the radio where it's talking about shooting the N-word in the face. Or, or, or any other type of violence, sexual violence, or what have you. We will have to stop the radio. We will have to stop the corporations from finding people with that sick mindset and, and then giving them millions of dollars to promote that. We had to get rid of that. We had to, st- we had to change the uh, cinematic Hollywood. No more movies about senseless killing, no more Friday 13s, no more Jason movies, no more, uh, uh, what is it, Nightmare on Elm Street, none of this, no more Rambo, no more none of this, no more of these cop shows, none of this, no more war stuff. So 
you would have to change, you would have to go under a very transformational um, change in society to where people aren't being programmed with violent viruses, mind viruses. And, and that I feel would go a long way in reducing crime against individuals in, in this country. But we, we know that that's not going to happen. So let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. Setting Amber Geiger free or allowing her to go back home and spend time with her families with simply a, a prohibition on her purchasing legal firearms and never being able to work in, in law enforcement again. No, you know that somebody is going to hunt her down and kill her and, and, and seek vengeance just like they did back in the Wild Wild West days. It was called Frontier Justice. Just like whoever killed and the police, Amber Geiger's boyfriend is a suspect, even though he's still a cop. Um, any white supremacist that saw Joshua Brown on, t on television, okay? That's what will happen to Amber Geiger if you set her free. That's what the history shows. That's what human nature, study of humans and their emotions, okay? Family members of these victims are not going to go for it. So why are you even pushing it? We ain't, we're a long way from a society where that's even an option. All right, so I'm not going to belabor the point. Listen, Black Talk Radio Network is managed by the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit. We're in danger of shutting down after 11 years. We don't sell services uh, uh, anymore because we want to be very selective on who we allow on to our network because we need to be responsible about what's going out from our platform. While we do distribute podcasts and videos through other platforms, we still have to pay to maintain our own platform, okay? We, we have to incur all those costs like anybody else. And we're not getting um, the we're not getting million dollar grants. We're not getting big money from these different corporations um, who may be engaged in in vile acts against humanity and against workers. But oh, we're going to put a public face on our good works, and we're going to give this organization some money or, or anything like that. This is not backed by any large uh, or not other nonprofit organizations. Our funding is provided entirely by those who consume the media. So if you would like to see um, a continued presence of Black Talk Radio Network and all this programming, then please make a tax-deductible donation today. You can go to blacktalkradionetwork.com to find out how. With that said, I'm going to close out. Peace and blessings to all.